Thank you, Lord, for your precious Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us that's going to be listening to this word tonight, or watching this. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit moving upon us and giving us good soul of hearts and minds and lives, anointed eyes and ears to be able to see and hear what you are revealing to us, Lord. Good fertile soil of our hearts, Lord, to be receptive, our minds to be focused in on what you're saying, not distracted or hindered. And Lord, I thank you for speaking through me, your seeds of truth and the good soil watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes, that everything will be accomplished and then through this time that you will be done. And we know Jesus said the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So we agree together and we take authority as a church and we bind anything of the enemy right now in Jesus' name that would try to hinder this word from getting where it's supposed to go. We commit to be bound and back off. And Lord, I thank you for the winds of the Spirit carrying this where it's supposed to go. It will accomplish what's supposed to because the Bible says it will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So Lord, we thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. And again, as I'm preaching this, as little moving around as possible, please try to give me your best ear tonight because this is something I feel like is important and it's something that needs to be heard and sometimes distractions can really affect people. So we're going to talk about increased faith and I'm going to start out with this in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing in hearing by the word of God. Now, let me just explain something that I want to say up front, but I want to make sure that everybody understands this. We know that, that the Bible says that it is by grace that we're saved through faith. All right. So what I want people to understand tonight and take away from this sermon is that many times when we talk about salvation, the only thing people think of in their mind is the forgiveness of sins. That's all they think of. They, they absolutely do not think about healing, deliverance, provision, and all of that. They only think about forgiveness. So I want you tonight to begin to understand something. When the Bible talks about salvation, it's not just talking about forgiveness of sins. It is talking about everything Jesus paid for on the cross which we've gone through quite a bit up until this point. And so whenever we're talking about salvation tonight, I want you to broaden your understanding. See, God didn't give a whole bunch of little um, uh, provisions. What God did was he took upon Jesus Christ at the cross everything that is needed for humanity was paid for at one time at the cross. So it is one huge provision, okay? Forgiveness of sins, salvation, um, as far as healing, deliverance, provision, whatever you need, everything was paid for at the cross, okay? So keep that in mind because it's very important. I believe there's a lot of limitations in a lot of churches and a lot of Christians because unfortunately sometimes when people grow up in Christendom and they grow up in certain uh, circles and churches and denominations that there's there's such strongholds that develop sometimes of, of belief systems and patterns in people's thinking that that some become so medically minded so to speak in in, in the Christianity here in America that it's literally 
um, almost impossible for them to really receive the healing that God has for them because their whole Christianity, they have never really truly learned how to press in for that. What Jesus paid for at the cross, it's like the very first inclination whenever something happens is to look to the wrong provision and to focus in on that. Does that make sense? And, and the concept of being set free from things, they, they've never even entered their mind about being delivered from things or whatever. It's like they look to, uh, you know, 12-step programs and, and different types of therapy in the natural. It never even really enters their mind to really press into what Jesus did. And so it's like without meaning to, they have some kind of strongholds in their life that's hindering them from everything that God wants for them. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So I can get up here and I can preach and you hear something. Now here's the other revelation I want you to get tonight. The first is, is that when Jesus died, he paid for this you know, fullness of salvation. Okay, so save, heal, deliver, protect, preserve, prosper, make to do, or make whole, all of that. But the second revelation I want you to understand, it's by grace that you're saved. Grace. So that means it's a gift. It's something that God enables you to do that you could not do on your own. So let me give you an example of what I'm saying, and I hope this makes sense tonight. So whenever I go out here and we go witnessing, you know how many times I've talked to people and, and I mean, I've done a, a, a lot of street evangelism, okay? I've talked to a lot of people. I've got some crazy stories. But many times, if I ask somebody, has anybody talked to you about Jesus? Who is Jesus? They're, they're, they'll tell you, well, you know, he's the son of God, died for the sins of the world. But yet at the same time, they do not know him. So even though they may have some kind of a head knowledge of who he is, they do not know him. So you have to understand that salvation comes, it is a grace from God to enable you. So let me show you what I mean. At some point in time, somebody has head knowledge of who Jesus is. But now all of a sudden, one day, the grace of God is, is revealed to them that even though they knew this in their head, all of a sudden now, there's this revelation. Everybody say revelation that God has given them the grace that they're somehow they're able to see that they are in desperate need of salvation, that they're a sinner, and that they do not know the Lord, and they're on their way to hell. And not only that, but they see that Jesus died for their sins. And they, it's revealed to them that that they need this salvation, they need this forgiveness of sins in their life, and that revelation comes, and they're opened up to be born again. Does this make sense? So it moves from just being head knowledge now to revelation knowledge, but it is by, that's the grace of God on somebody to be able to be saved. It's his grace they could not do that on their own. If God didn't enable that, it wouldn't happen. So that's what I'm trying to say tonight is that there's something that we need to understand about faith that comes connected to revelation. There comes a point in time, I can preach about, let's just talk about healing. I can preach about Jesus by his stripes, you're healed. And everybody that follows our ministry they're going to agree with that mentally, but there's a difference between mentally agreeing with what I'm saying 
that is not really true faith. And if we're not careful, we think that we're really walking in this faith that maybe we're not really walking in yet. We think we are because we mentally agree with doctrine. But there has to be a revelation that comes of what he did for us that's connected with a faith. It's a grace that only God can give us that all of a sudden we have faith to be healed. It has to be revealed to us. It has to be revealed also about deliverance, that, that we know about that. We know Jesus paid for it, but yet it's going to have to be revealed to us, so to speak, that, that the grace of God helps us to understand, to see that he did become a curse for us and he did pay for our deliverance and that that, that leaves us and we press into the victory. Is this making sense? It's a little deep, but here's the concern. If we don't get into real faith and we just have kind of a pseudo faith, that's sometimes the reason why people keep praying about things, but yet they don't really see it. And everybody look this way and hear me. No distractions, please. I want everybody to get this. I want everybody online to get this. This is too important to miss because a lot of people in these latter days we're living there's a lot of people that, that are going to desperately need faith that will not have it if they don't understand that it is a grace from God. It's not something you can work up. So it is by grace that you're saved through faith. It's a gift. And we're going to have to ask God to help us to really get some kind of revelation about his blood covenant, revelation of what he paid for us to have that we somehow can access answer prayers that we have not been able to in the past is this making sense okay so how do we do our part to come into this revelation and come into this real genuine faith because kenneth hagin used to teach on faith and it was so in, so powerful but i don't think that a lot of people really understood the depth of it it wasn't because he wasn't a good teacher because he was but it can be missed Faith, sometimes people hear it, faith teaching, and they agree with it mentally, and then they begin to, to start saying things, and I, I have it, and they, but it never got past their head down into their spirit. And they have kind of a pseudo-faith. But see, Brother Hagin used to teach that. He said there's a difference between head knowledge and heart faith somehow it's got to move from just your head down into your heart, which is your spirit. And Jesus said that once it gets there, he said, if you'll believe in your heart and you won't doubt, but you'll speak out to that mountain, it'll move. So some of these scriptures that we've always known, we've memorized, we can quote them. When we really get some depth about it, it means more than what we thought it meant. It is by God's grace that you're saved. What is saved? healed delivered protected preserved it is his grace that brings us into that salvation jesus paid for what do we need it's his grace that helps us to be able to see by revelation what he has paid for us to have and to access that in our lives his grace by faith that we are saved we move into salvation everything that we need was paid for at the cross 
but it has to be accessed by faith. And that's why the Bible says also, it is your heart that believes. That's why Paul said, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth unto salvation. So now think of it this way. What is salvation again? Forgiveness of sins, healing, deliverance, supernatural provision, supernatural protection, preserved, made to do well, all that you could possibly need in life. God did everything all at one time on Jesus Christ. Fully paid for, complete. But somehow we have to get an understanding. It's, it's not something you can work up. When I preach this, let me just make it clear, this isn't something that you can work up, so it's not your fault if you're, you say, well, I've been praying about that. Okay, it's not something you can work up in your flesh. It's God's grace. We've got to humble ourselves. How do we get grace? He gives grace to the humble. We humble ourselves and say, Lord, there's things that I need to access. There's things that Jesus paid for. I know he paid for it. I know it in my head. But Lord, I've got to access this. Help me to move into a realm of revelation that will open me up to great faith in my heart that's going to cause this to manifest in my life because I need it. Humble yourself and ask him and he'll give it to you. It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it is by grace you're saved through faith. It is a gift that God will give you and it's not of works. So if you're thinking that you can do something to, to just make it happen, I understand there is some things I'm going to share that will help build faith. But that's why the Bible says that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth unto those things. So there is a faith that's got to get out of our head into our spirit. And then once it's there, it's like a deep anchor down in your core of who you are. You have faith to believe for things. And you speak it out of your mouth and mountains will move. And it doesn't even take a lot of faith. Jesus said just the size of a mustard seed will move mountains. But somehow all of us have got to get a revelation of this that only God can do. I can preach on it. And even myself not even fully have the revelation really. It's something that only God can help us with individually. And so tonight I will share some things that will help you build faith and help maybe dismantle some of these strongholds that's been there. I mean, there's strongholds that people have had. They go to church and, and they have been so indoctrinated into a belief system. For example, that, that they, if they go to church and they're a good person and they do this and they don't do that and it's all on works-based stuff that they're, they're the righteousness of God in Christ and even though those things are all important, that's not what makes you the righteousness of God in Christ. That's a religious spirit. That feeling of always having to measure up, don't get me wrong, it's important to go to church and it's important to live righteous but you're made righteous by the blood of Jesus. You understand? There's a lot of these little things that, that seem insignificant, but they're not. And I remember there was a, a particular denomination. I grew up in, I love them. But I remember they gave me some literature one time because they were ministering to people that were coming off the streets. And this particular literature, don't get me wrong, these people they're ministering to would be very difficult people. And yes, they did need to probably be treated like they just joined the military. I understand that, and I agree with that. 
But I was reading through the literature and I was starting to get really concerned because the literature was all about do this and don't do that. And it, it would lead somebody to believe that that would lead them unto salvation. It would. I was sitting there reading this going, now wait a second. The do's and don'ts are very important. How many knows they are important? We need to quit lying. We need to quit doing things that we, we used to do. But that, okay, you're, you've got to find peace with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ that his blood cleanses you and that you're born again and you're made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's a grace. Out of that, then you live a righteous life. But you can't get the cart before the horse. If you try to make people do it, see, religion will always try to make people measure up outwardly, but true Christianity will change you from the inside out. It gives you a new heart. That's why I'm not too hard on young people. Because until God gives them a new heart, you can browbeat them all day. You understand? And if you're not careful, you can make Christianity to be oppressive and mean and they don't want to come back. You need to let God do a work in them. They need to get hit. They need an encounter with God. I've seen young people get slammed by the power of God and get up and look at me like, what was that? I've seen a lot of stuff like that. And I say, that was the power of God. They'll never forget the power of God. And that God loved them enough to touch him. So anyway, back to what I'm saying. It is a grace, okay? Now, there are some things that we do need to understand that can build our faith, strengthen our faith, increase our faith, and we need to be doing these things. How many knows that we're, we're living in these latter days? I'm preaching really straight about this. I have been because there's going to come a time, and I don't believe it's too far off, when we are going to need to know how to access, answer prayers for things that we haven't had to in the past. Because the end times are upon us, and there are things that... Christians have taken for granted freedoms, things in regards to provision or whatever that, that Christians have always just looked to in America and around the world that because of the latter days, it's not going to be accessible and they're going to have to know how to access things by faith in the future. Now, if you'll get this now, how many knows when, you, when you're going along and all of a sudden, you're hit with a major trial, something maybe life-threatening or something very serious. That's the worst possible time then to try to come up with a faith that you don't have. You need to develop faith now. So whenever you get in a situation, you have the faith to deal with it. Okay. So how do we get this faith? Well, I do believe that as I've been preaching on this, the God of Blood Covenant... I believe it has increased people's faith and it's reinforced and strengthened some things in people. But again, there's a supernatural element to faith that you cannot just muster up in your flesh. It's something that is in your spirit. So let me say it again. Number one, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there is a hearing that is not just a mental, intellectual agreement, but it is some type of a hearing that goes down into your spirit. Everybody catch that. Secondly, the Bible says in Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the hiding of the word in the heart, I believe, 
has a lot to do with meditating on and memorizing Scripture. That right there is going to help it as you meditate on the Word, you meditate on certain promises, what the Bible says, you meditate, you speak them out, you're saying it out loud. As you keep doing that on a daily basis, I do believe as you hide the Word in your heart that it will open up a faith because it's getting from just your intellect, it's getting down into your spirit. So it's very important that we begin to do that. On a daily basis, I take communion, and as I'm taking communion, I go through different categories of promises of God. And I begin to really meditate on I begin to speak out the promises. And as I do, I know that it has gotten from just my head down into my spirit. And I know that God's given me faith for certain things. How many knows as you develop a relationship with the Lord and you know his voice and you're praying like that and God speaks to you a promise. He says, I'm going to do this. How many knows that your faith is going to be so strong about that specific thing? You know, so there's, there's a relationship aspect to this also. Now, as I take communion, I may go through, let me just give one example, but I may go through about the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I thank you that the blood of Jesus, and I speak it out loud, washes me and my family, covers us. There's a hedge of protection about us because we're under the blood. I thank you, Lord, that you have justified us, sanctified us holy. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by the hand of every enemy. And because of the blood of Jesus, you are faithful and just to forgive us from all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You bore in your body our sin. We're dead to sin. And Lord, you live through us righteousness by the Holy Spirit. And we are overcomers. I thank you for the blood. And as you meditate on those things, it gets down into the core of who you are. And there's something about saying it out loud that, that causes... Um, it to be more effective because there's something about you remember when God how did God create the heavens and the earth he spoke it and he created us in his image there's something about speaking the word now the Bible says about mountains moving it says that you speak to the mountain it moves not that you think it it doesn't say you think about it moving it doesn't say that you wish it to move it says that you speak to that mountain and make it move your, your mouth moves it. So there is something about that. So it's not just the forgiveness of sins, but I go through being delivered from all the enemy's influence and in the blessings of Abraham, I go through healing and other aspects. So the communion table, I've taught so much on this. I'm not going to belabor the point, but the communion table, communion is, is our blood covenant meal. And the Bible makes it very clear there's so many promises associated. Many people are delivered from things as they take communion. Many people are healed of things. There's been a lot of really good teaching on the communion table, which I recommend. But the Bible says that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, anoints our head with oil and our cups overflow. What do you think that table in the presence of our enemies is? When you went into the tabernacle and you went into the holy place, what was right there on the right, it was the table of showbread. And the bread was called lechem panim in the Hebrew because it, it's um, panim, panav is face. It implied like, um, 
It's translated a lot of times as the bread of presence, but really then the Hebrew it's saying like face to face. Do you remember when Jesus on the road to Emmaus walked with the disciples and then when he sat with them and broke bread with them and they were face to face and he broke bread, it would have been unleavened bread because it was right after Passover. Um, their eyes were open and they saw him and then he disappeared. But the point is, is that there's something about the bread of presence when we take communion, there's like a face to face, there's an intimacy with the Lord, there's a closeness, there's a drawing nearer. And that's what it implies, the bread of presence, that, that like the table of showbread was right there in proximity. It was very near the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, it was just right there, a stone's throw. What the, what the Hebrew is indicating is that it's a table of intimacy with the Lord. It's a table of fellowship. And so when Jesus gave us communion, it's, it's straight out of Passover, so as we do this once a year, we have the Lord's Last Supper. We do a, a Seder here, and we go through it from a New Testament perspective fulfilled in Christ. But as we do that, Jesus, in the course of the meal, took the bread and the fruit of the vine and, and gave us this communion that we keep you around. But it's something that is supposed to be in intimacy with God. And so as you take communion and you're quoting these scriptures, there's something about the blood covenant. There's something about getting revelation of what Jesus has paid for you to have, accessing answered prayers, moving into a realm of the supernatural provision of God for your need that can only come through faith. How many want testimonies of God doing something? That it's not just something that you can explain away in the natural. That somebody, somebody well, somebody did this, that, and the other and got me you know, met the need. No, I mean, you want testimonies of where God himself really did something. Now, Jesus paid for it, but for us to access it, where there's going to have to be a, an element there of having a relationship, there's something that opens up with revelation and a faith to possess it. And so another scripture I like and I think the communion table has a lot to do with this. God will just have to give all of us revelation about that. But another scripture I like is meditating on the scriptures. It says in Proverbs 4.20, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. Let them, look at this, let them not depart from your eyes. There's something about having them before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life into those that find them and health to all their flesh. I remember a story that Derek Prince, this scripture meant a lot to him because he said that he was in the military and he was in the desert and he had developed a condition with the skin of his feet, which put him there in the medical bay. And he had accepted the Lord and he knew, he knew that if I just had the faith, I know that the Lord has wants me to be healed from this i know by stripes i'm healed but he said i need i need the faith and he asked the lord how do i how do i get this and the lord showed him this scripture so he began to put the scripture before his eyes and meditate on it speak it every day and and eventually the skin cleared up and he was able to just go on so isn't that something it was just the power of the word of god being before your eyes and coming out of your mouth and being in the midst of your heart that brought health to all of his flesh 
So there is something powerful about meditating on the word. Now, there is an element too, I might add, this comes by revelation, but believing you have received it. A real practical thing that I've learned a long time ago is I pray about these services through the week. And to be honest with you, I don't really spend a lot of time really praying about the service on today because I've already prayed about it in the week. <clears throat> My attitude today is to do other things to get ready for the actual service, but I've already prayed about it. Now, why am I going to keep saying the same thing? So when I come in here, I'm saying, Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering all the prayers over tonight. It's done. I'm expecting everything to happen that we prayed about. And so the Lord comes in on that. But you have to have faith because if you have an attitude of doubt or I don't know that God's going to do it and you keep asking because you don't believe it to be done, that can actually hinder things. So there has to be a belief. Look, I'll show it to you in scripture. So Jesus had cursed the fig tree and left. And then in Mark eleven twenty, it says they were passing by it in the morning and they saw the fig tree withered from the roots and being reminded of it. Jesus said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed, it's withered. And Jesus said, have faith in God. I tell you, whoever says this mountain be taken up, thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that, look at this, what he says is going to happen. It'll be granted to him. Therefore, I say unto you, all things that you pray about, believe you have received them. And they'll be granted to you. So there is an element there of believing it to already be done. In a very practical sense, though, there are times that you need direction about things because I've told my wife this because we've had to pray about things before and we didn't know how to pray about a situation. I, I don't want to give personal examples because they'd be too personal. So I'm just going to make something up hypothetically, okay? If you, if you were to be praying, let's just say for a lost loved one. Now, you need revelation on how to pray sometimes for people. And God will tell you, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And you need to hear from God and then pray specifically about what he said he's going to do. I know that we're praying in a general sense for their salvation. But what about right now? How do I pray for them? Where are they at? How's God going to reach them where they're at? Do I need to pray that God lead them to a church? Do I need to pray God send somebody to them? What is... And if you ask God, he'll show you how to pray for them. Is this making sense? In fact, God may want to bring them to a place where things get difficult for them so that they'll cry out to him. Now, let me show you. If you don't know how to pray about something, you just need to pray in the spirit. Because God's plan could be to bring them to a very difficult point in their life where they cry out to him. And you're over here begging God to bless them and make things good for them. And your prayers could be hindering what God's wanting to do. Is this making sense? We have to hear from the Lord. That's why I'm emphasizing we've got to develop a, rela a relationship with him where he can speak to us what he's wanting to do. Another thing is building up your inner man. Jude 1.20 says this, but you, dear friends, build up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Did you know that praying in tongues builds up your inner man? You know, John Davis told me, I've been seeking prayer to really have a revelation about a prayer life for many years. As you guys know, uh, two elderly women, Ruby and Addie, kind of whipped me into shape and taught me how to pray and all that. But I was quite young, and I need to learn how to pray. And so Dr. Cho became one of my favorite teachers because, you know, he was such an amazing teacher on prayer. And so I began to learn all these different patterns about the tabernacle and the Lord's Prayer and all that, and it's all helped me tremendously. But one of the things John Davis told me, he said, let me tell you how to pray. He said, you need to pray in tongues for a while. Then you get in tune, then you can really start praying. And I was like, man, that's so, that's so amazing. So now I try to spend some time at the beginning just, you know, praying in the Spirit and really getting in tune and getting sensitive and then moving into a normal prayer time. For me, that's what I've been doing now for a while. And you know what? It's helped me a lot. He was right. It tunes you into the Lord. So praying in tongues will help you to get divine revelation. It'll make you sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And also it builds up your faith. And so I would encourage people to make sure you spend time every day if you can, maybe driving to and from work or whatever, but spend time really praying in the Spirit and ask God to pray through you. And I've had many times where I'm praying about things and the Holy Spirit, I'd ask the Lord to pray through me about different needs. And I would feel peace about something. I'd be praying about it and then in tongues and I'd feel peace that it's kind of accomplished. As a matter of fact, my wife and I were just talking about last night that the Lord told me, you need to pray in the spirit about these things because you're not going to know what to do. And you're not really going to know how to pray and things are going to move too fast for you and you're not going to be able to keep up. So I was praying in the spirit and I would feel it. I knew that I was praying things. And then all of a sudden, we would just be going along and all these things would just start falling into place. And we'd look at each other and go, there was no way that we even knew how to do this. We would have never known, we had no knowledge of actually fixing this right here. There was no way. We would have totally messed it up and missed God. But somehow, we just happened to be at the right place and the other person happened to be there and this just happened to work out. Now, we have some legitimate stories. It'd just be too personal to share and not appropriate for a sermon on the internet. But I'm just telling you that we walked into some supernatural encounters that there's no way that it wasn't God that did that. We had no knowledge of these things. And we just happened to walk into it and look at each other like, well, God worked that out. You know what happened? I, I was praying in tongues. And God, the Holy Spirit, prayed through me and made sure that my feet were there at the right time. Somebody else was there, and it just worked out. It wasn't anything I did. It was the Holy Spirit prayed it into being. So we're going to need this in these latter days, and we're going to need the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in the building up and developing of our inner man that comes from praying in tongues. And I've shared this a lot, but I feel like people need to hear it. In case this is the only sermon that you hear from me, I want to share this again. But Perry Perry Stone's father, Fred Stone, was very prophetic. And God would show him things. And everything God really ever showed him, he would share it. And a lot of times in confidence, and then it would happen the way that he shared it. And so I take this, um, I have a lot of confidence in what he says here. But he said the Lord showed him that this would be after he died 
but there would be a time in the latter days that he would not live to see it, but Perry would. And he told his son, Perry, he said, I want you to share this with people because they're going to need to know this. There's coming a time in the latter days when there's going to be people that come under such a serious, oppressive spiritual warfare that it's just going to seem mentally that you're so such an oppression, such a heaviness that you can't shake it. You take authority over it, you speak to it, and it seems like it's just stubborn and it's really difficult. He said, when you get to that place, tell them that they need to get alone with God, shut everything off, and they need to really pray in tongues and let the Holy Spirit pray through them until it breaks through. He said that the Lord showed him it would be praying in the Spirit that would clear that away. We need to remember that. Is I've had some times where God used that in my life as well. So there is an element on meditating on the word. There is an element of hearing the word preached to you. There's an element of believing that you have received things. There's also an element of really praying in the spirit and developing your inner man. But at the end of the day, it is still by God's grace that we are saved. And the word saved in the Greek is the Greek word sozo, and it means to save, to heal, deliver, protect, preserve, prosper, make to do well, make whole. All of those things which encompasses any need you would ever have. Would you agree with me that that's pretty conclusive and exhaustive? So, Everything that we need was paid for in full. But the only way to access it is through faith. But there's a grace to the humble that if we really say, Lord, help me to have the faith I need to access these things that have been paid for for me because I need this in my life. I mean, whatever it is, if it's a healing or if it's a provision, whatever, Lord, I need this. And let me tell you, you could, there's a lot of different things that I could go into, but what about generational blessings? What about household salvation? Did you know that you and your family shall be saved? Did you know you need to believe for your kids and there's promises in the word of God that because of your salvation, they're sanctified. I could show it to you. So a lot of people have wayward children, okay, and wayward grandchildren. You need to believe God for what the Bible says that because of your salvation, they're, they're set apart unto God. They're sanctified unto God. doesn't mean they're born again, but it means that there's something on them that, that they're set apart from others. God honors the fact that you're a Christian and he will remember your children. So you need to be believing God for what Paul said, household salvation. Remember the jailer? He said that you and your whole family shall be saved. What about Passover? Everybody in the house was under the blood. You need to believe God for everybody in your family to be saved. Uh, John Davis always says to me, God, your children and grandchildren were not born to go to hell. Okay, you wage war for them. So, but it is by grace that you're saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works so nobody can boast. You know why God does it this way? So nobody can brag about it. Nobody can say, oh, it was my great faith and I prayed so much and I, and I, I quoted scripture so much and I did this and I did that and so therefore I got this. That's pride. 
But when people really understand it's just God's grace by faith, it's not of yourself. You couldn't have done it. You don't deserve it. it but yet God still in his mercy brought this into your life. It's very humbling. And it produces humility in your life and to those that hear it. So let's get this revelation. Hopefully this is making sense tonight. But it's, it's something I feel if I could say it this way, I really believe that we've already moved into the end times. I believe the coming of the Lord is near. I believe that spiritual warfare is increased. I believe that things like COVID are just the beginning. I think there's going to be a lot of other things in the future, not just plagues, but a lot of things. And I think that as the economies of the world are shaken, I think as the health system is shaken, and all these different things are going on, persecution against Christian, Christianity is on the rise. Um, there may be a physical danger because of, of things in the future of people getting so demonized. They just hate Christians. They begin to lash out and, uh, you know, come against churches. We're going to need to access what Jesus paid for us to have by faith. We're going to need supernatural provision, supernatural healing, supernatural protection. We're going to need to access things that Christ has paid for, but can only be accessed by faith. There's coming a time, I don't know if it'll be before the rapture, but I know for sure in the tribulation, there's coming a time that Christians are not going to be able to lean on the world any longer. It's only going to be what their walk with God, and that's it. So how dark is it going to get before the rapture? I've studied end-time prophecy for a long time. And did you know that the Bible is not clear about some timing? What if the mark of the beast starts emerging even before there's a rapture? You've been taught that that's impossible. The Bible doesn't say that. I suspect it'll be after the rapture, but I don't, it doesn't say that. So my question is this, are we really ready? Are we really ready? to access things supernaturally. You know, I've heard stories I could tell from so many anointed men and women of God through the years, but I remember this lady telling me that she was desperate for finances. You know, she had been ministering places, and she had, she had her son, and she had no money, and the place she ministered didn't really give her hardly anything, and she was desperate. And she was crying out to the Lord in faith that God who supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. And she's driving down the road and she sees something and she pulls off and she's like, what is that? They get out and there was $100 bills on the side of the road blowing in the wind and she told her son to go get them and they have plenty that they needed. The God who supplies needs. How many remember was it that man that had the orphanages, what was his last name? I think Stephen knows. George Mueller, something like that. Something like that. But he had these, these orphans. He had to take care of them. He had nothing. And they would join hands and pray. Sometimes they would join hands around a table with these orphans, and he would ask God, we don't have any food. To be interrupted in their prayer at somebody knocking at the door with a bunch of food. I've heard of people 
legitimate testimonies saying I was desperate and I cried out to God for finances. I really needed a miracle. And I, I go to my bank account online and there's $10,000 in there that shouldn't be in there. And I thought, well, the bank made a mistake. I, and this is a true, I've heard things multiple times. Like I called the bank and said, this 10,000 isn't supposed to be in there. And to have them gripe me out and say, quit calling us because it is supposed to be in there. And, and it's there and it's going to remain there. It's supposed to be there, you know, and, and it's like, well, praise God, I got money in my account. I mean, listen, I'm trying to strengthen your faith here. You know how many times, and did you know that I'm just trying to give you some, that God is the God of the supernatural. We, we're the only problem. See, a lot of times people say, well, why are things not happening? This? You know what the problem is? The problem has nothing to do with God. The problem has everything to do with what's in between our ears, right in here, that we limit God by what he can do. I remember stories. Let me tell you something, too. God sends his angels to do things. Remember that story Brother Benny told about the, the preacher that had a stroke, and, and he, he was having a really hard time. He had to keep a hand in his pocket. He would preach, and he, with his other hand, he would be dabbing his nose because it was bleeding. And he said, God's going to heal me. And he was preaching one night, and the Lord told him, said, tonight's your night to be healed and he gets at the end of the service and he's saying lord you said you'd heal me and i i haven't been healed yet and he was standing there in faith believing god to make a way i mean nothing was happening in the service to indicate some great move of healing or anything but lord you spoke to me this i believe you and all of a sudden something starts coming down the aisle nobody could see it with the natural eye but people were collapsing pews were getting turned over Something was walking down the aisle. I suspect it was an angel, especially when you hear the end of the story. Next thing you know, when it got up to him, he's at the podium. He gets hit with some invisible power, goes flying back in the air, lands on his back. He's laying there, can't move, gets up later, totally, completely, 100% healed. Goes back to his hotel room that night. He's brushing his teeth, and he's taking off his white shirt, and he's unbuttoning it. And he kind of looks in the mirror. Why? Because there's a big, giant handprint on his chest where I guarantee you the angel of the Lord walked up there and just smacked him like that and he goes flying back and nobody saw the angel but you could see the pews overturned the people collapse and the healing so sometimes God will use his angels to bring about provision God will make a way I've heard stories also of people sleeping on their beds at night to be overshadowed with the presence of God and to have some dream and of, of being healed and they wake up and sure enough they were healed in the night while they slept in the presence of God just supernaturally healed God makes a way for his blood covenant people we can't limit him but we've got to understand that it, it's a humility it's a relationship it's where we access this by a faith in what Jesus has done for it. We don't deserve it. It's not our works. It's just his grace in our lives that helps us to see it. So is this, some of these scriptures, when you go through the word of God and you've always quoted these scriptures about uh, faith and about salvation and you've always thought in your mind about the forgiveness of sins, I want you in the future when you see the word salvation or saved, 
All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not just the forgiveness of sins. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be healed. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be provided for. Do you see what I'm saying? We've limited what we understand about salvation. Jesus, it is a reward. Steve Hill always said it's a reward for Christ's suffering, all these people getting saved tonight in the altars. Yes, it is. But it's also a reward for Christ's suffering when you're healed. It's also a reward for Christ's suffering when you're set free from something that's bound you for years. And the last thing I would say as we, we're going to close with this is deep calling unto deep intimacy. <clears throat> All of this is going to come back to a relationship. I remember I'd been in ministry for a while and God had done a lot of neat things. I mean, I saw people healed of things. I saw people delivered from demonic stuff and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Seen a lot of things in the 90s revivals and just preaching, just praying for people. I saw a lot of amazing things. Look back behind me, see people all over the floor. And, I, and here I am, I, I meet with uh, Steve Hill. This was 2003, I think September. And I set up an appointment because he had started a church and I was one of the first ones that came. And I just wanted to spend some time with him, talk to him. First thing he does, sits me down and he starts probing me with questions. What's God been speaking to you lately, you know? And so I was like, well, finally I started answering him. It's kind of personal, you know? I was like, well, okay, you asked. So I started, and, he, and so he interrupts me. He goes, okay, he's just laughing. He said, I was just wanting to see if you have a relationship with the Lord. See, here's the thing he understood. He understood Christianity is not just a religion. It's a relationship. He saw so many people that were religious people that ran down to the altar of Brownsville and actually really truly got saved. I've been going to church for years, but see, here's the thing. It's a relationship. And people say, well, what about this grace through faith that you're saved in all of this, that revelation you're talking about that you really understand that God opens you up into that. It comes out of relationship. I understand it can just happen in a meeting, but it's many times it's in our personal prayer lives. It's as we spend time with the Lord that all this stuff, it begins to be accessed in our personal lives. See, as I take communion, let me just tell you, don't just rush through things. People do this all the time, religious rituals. The religious ritual is your greatest enemy in your personal prayer life and at church. When you're praying at home, don't just go through the motions. If you are, you need to stop and say, what am I doing? Don't just take communion out of dead religious ritual. You're kind of wasting your time. Spend some time with it. You know, th meditate on what Jesus did for you. Think of him on the cross. Use your mind to focus on what Jesus did and, and, and think about the blessings of Abraham and begin to speak out loud these things. And as you take communion, there's something that's accessing in your life. There's a faith about these things. Mountains begin to move. Things begin to change. But it's all out of intimacy. It's all out of relationship. And I'll tell you something else is deep calling into deep. You know, John and Carol Arnott has been warning the body of Christ that coming of the Lord's near. And he's coming for wise virgins with extra oil. Matthew 25. Read this. They were all virgins and they all had lamps. The only difference was the oil. 
You know what the oil is? It's spending time with the Lord in intimacy. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the oil in your personal life. It's not the oil in your church. It's the oil in your lamp and the extra oil you have. The extra oil is going to come by people that have relationship and spend time with the Lord, make time. And there's a depth, there, there's a deep calling unto deep. Psalms 42, 7, deep calls unto deep at the sound of your waterfalls, all your breakers and waves have passed over me. There's something about spending time in the presence of God and just soaking, not rushing around, not being busy, not your mind wondering all the time about other things and all that, but just spending time with him. I come in and many times I'm praying in the spirit and then I'll move into prayer and I'll take the Lord's Supper and really pray over things, pray over, you know, I end up praying about personal things that need to be covered in prayer. But there comes a point in time where you just need to just sit back now and just rest in the Lord and let him speak to you if he's going to, but just soak in his presence and not rush out. And let his waves and breakers wash over you. So I tell people in the altar time, you get prayer if you fall out, you know, don't just jump back up. Soak. Spend some time. Because God can do more in that presence right there than you could ever imagine. Many miracles, many inner healings happen in the presence. I think a lot of times we're too busy. We're too distracted. I learned that in the 90s. I heard about soaking prayer coming out of Toronto, and, and I really made time to pray. I'd read the word and pray, and then I would soak. And, and God really began to help me know him through that, and there was a depth. But let me tell you, deep calling unto deep, some of you intercessors, when you really get in that place of prayer that I've heard you get into, where there's a deep groan out of your belly, and it's not just out of your head, and it's not just, you're just praying in the Spirit, but you get into that place where a deep groan comes out. It's a deep calling unto deep. Those are the type of prayers that God is putting in you many times that really is birthing souls. And it really is causing your lost loved ones to come to know the Lord. That deep calling unto deep is so important. And don't rush out of that. Don't get distracted. When you get into that deep place where there's a deep groan and there's tears and there's a a weeping and you're praying in the spirit and God's really using you stay with that until you feel that it's done because something is significant is happening I heard the story I believe it was Steve Hill's wife Jerry telling about this person it might have been Lila was on an airplane I mean or something like that and the power of God just hit them out of the clear blue out of nowhere and and they and they were began to weep they began to realize that they were lost. They accepted Jesus and they were, they were delivered. There was a bondage in their life like drugs or something they were set free from. I believe they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and, they, and they, I mean, it came out of nowhere. And this person was thinking, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'm just like really special or something that God would touch me. And God, and God spoke to them so clearly and said, this had nothing to do with you. 
I'm answering somebody else's prayers. And that humbled them so much. They realized none of this would have happened if, if somebody had prayed for me. I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't praying. I didn't even care about God. I was just living for my selfish little self. And all of a sudden, God just slammed me. Somebody was groaning in the spirit. There was a deep calling unto deep that released that in that person's life. It comes out of relationship. There's a faith. And there's also a faith about hearing. A lot of times we get in a situation where like, Lord, how are you going to do this? How am I going to get from where I am to where I need to be? And God will give you a word and say, I'm going to do this in your life. You have to stand on that word and the enemy will make sure that everything will come in front of you that will be the opposite of that word. He'll put everything in front of you to try to make it seem like it'll never happen. If God says there's going to be water, the devil will throw a desert right in front of you. It'll be as dry, parched as you can imagine, yet you've got to believe God for water. Because God said there's water coming. And then you, you're sitting there going through the desert thinking, dear God, where's the water? But you've got to stay in faith and say, Lord, you promised me water. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth unto salvation that you're sending the water that you told me. And next thing you know, eventually, you'll stumble into the oasis he told you was coming. So, Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. It is by your grace that we are sa saved, sozoed. It is by grace that we move into your great salvation through faith. This is not of ourselves. It's not because we're so spiritual or so smart or we got it all figured out. But, Lord, it is your grace, not a works, so that nobody can boast, that you get all the glory. But, Lord, I pray for every one of us. Lord, help us to move into a realm, Lord, of intimacy with God, where we're going to have extra oil, and, Lord, that we're going to be opened up to revelation knowledge that is going to help us to access by faith what Jesus paid for us to have on the cross, whatever it is, Lord, that it will come. It will be released in our lives, in the lives of our families, by faith that we have a revelation that opens us up to true faith that we can possess the promises of God. Lord, we thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Let it come. Wow. All right. I'm going to pray for people so we can maybe go to a screen or something.